Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I am here, as always, with two of my co-hosts, Mike Valverde and Walker Kelly. Evan Hubler is uh, on assignment. He's still got some family stuff. We wish him all the best. But we do have somebody in his stead, uh, Kent Platt of uh, RelativeAthleticScores.com. How are you doing today? Fantastic, man. Glad to be on. Awesome, awesome. Walker, how are you? Uh, pretty good, you know. Got uh, just got a home, three and a half hour drive, real fun stuff. Oh, so you're you're full of energy today, is what you're saying? Oh man, I'm gonna try my best, but yeah, <laughs> walked 18 holes of golf in a tournament setting and drove three and a half hours today. So uh, we we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's Friday. I always like when it's Friday. So, you know, and I'm glad that Kent's on. Um, I, I've got to admit that um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think Walker was like, hey, look at this RAS score. And I'm like, RAS, what the hell is that? And then he, he pointed out to me and, you know, I've been hooked ever since. So, yeah, um, same with same with me. Yeah, it can be a rabbit hole, man. It, it totally is. So I'm, I'm glad that you're on the show, Clint. Kent. I don't even know why I say Clint, but Clint. <laughs> hey, I I've gotten that. a lot of that, man. You know, it, my, my name is, is one of those ones that people don't always get. It's actually pronounced Platty. And I started oh, I started Platty. using I started using my middle name to try to lead people to that. Like there's a rhyming scheme to it, like Kent Lee Platty. Uh, and it ended up totally screwing that up. And people who were pronouncing my name started pronouncing it wrong. They started calling me Kent Laplatte. I was like, how did I become French? What just happened? That's even further. Uh, but I get, I get Ken. I get Kenneth sometimes. My favorite one is this this draft season, I started getting called Matt a lot. Like, Matt like bomb. maybe Math Bomb is Matt like bomb. some short for Matt or something. And I was like, well, I know that if I do change my name, I know what I can change it to. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Matt H. Bomb. Heck Yeah. That's right. So um, we'll uh, we'll do a full rundown with what we we're talking about with relative athletic scores and all the stuff that uh, Kent works on. Um, and Kent, as a as a person with a last name, I people pronounce my last name correctly, but spelling it's off the off the uh, uh, off the table. So I I, I empathize with you. Um, but first, Great. let's let's yeah. do some uh, some rundowns real quick. Um, this is uh, our Friday. Um, May 7th show and uh again we welcome in Kent Platt. Sorry I had to switch screens here real quick. I was right. I was Platty. I was a little lost there. All right. Uh we will be doing our first mock draft Monday on Monday, May 17th at 10 a.m. I will be doing a mock draft by myself. It was supposed to be Monday, but my car needs some transmission work, so I'll be doing that Monday morning instead. That'll be at twitch.tv slash football absurdity. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fball Absurdity. Uh, I'm at Jeff Crisco, K-R-I-S-K-O. Mike is RFL Red Zone. Walker, Big Daddy Drix. Um, Kent is Math Bomb, as you guys we kind of heard we were talking about and around that. Uh, Discord, tiny.cc slash FBAbsurdity, if you want to join the discussion. Uh, we started our Dynasty draft with guys from the Discord today, so um, that's a lot of fun. It's a slow draft I haven't picked yet. Um, Patreon, patreon.com slash footballabsurdity. You get every other episode in that feed and helps keep the website servers going uh speaking of the website we do not have beer sheets yet uh some people start asking around may right after the draft for beer sheets those start coming out late june usually um we do have daily satires from evan hoovler new satires um ripped from the headlines and by that i mean he goes in and, and looks at news headlines and then espn headlines and then tries to figure out something to write about uh he also is working with some auction stuff for rookie 
salary cap drafts as well as uh, dynasty startup salary cap drafts working on those right now and I'm doing rookie roundups where I go team by team and talk about everybody they drafted that could be fantasy football eligible and it is a slog but what's not a slog is talking to Kent so Kent why don't you give a rundown of everything uh, RAS uh, pro football network stuff prior to Detroit why don't you talk about everything uh, give your plugs and talk about your background a little bit yeah, so I started writing about football more than a decade ago now. I am old. Um, but I started Relative Athletic Scores all the way back in 2013. Uh, the idea was to come up with some kind of simpler way of looking at player testing metrics because we always have those buzzwords that you hear every draft season. A guy is quick but not fast. Or he's explosive. Um, you know, those type of terms don't really mean anything. There's no, there's no context behind them. Uh, and even if you're a diehard and you start digging into the draft, a lot of those individual scores don't really mean a whole lot without context. If a guy runs a 4-5, is that good? I mean, for a defensive end, that's amazing. For a cornerback, that's that's okay. I mean, that's that's fine right in the middle of the road. You know, it's it really tried to put a, a number on that because everybody can understand what 0 to 10 is. 0 is bad, 10 is good, 5 is right in the middle. So if I'm able to score all those individual metrics, I can tell you right ahead, you know, four or five for a defensive end is probably in the high nines because there's not a lot of defensive ends that run that, whereas it's closer to five for a cornerback. Um, and then it all it takes all those player metrics and puts them into one score, and that becomes the player's relative athletic score. It covers their, their speed using the 40, 20, and 10, their explosiveness using the vert and the broad, their agility using the shuttle and cone, and, of course, the bench, and then their size metrics for height and weight. Um, which just use just are, are just there to weight the rest of the metrics so that it's not you know unfairly grading bigger guys and smaller guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun. I, I started it out as I said back in 2013. It really took off in 2017 when I expanded the database and got a lot of players in it. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it, and right now everything's online. You can go look up any of those cards on my website, which is currently relativeathleticscores.com. I've shortened that because I, I don't like typing it out all the time. Um, it's now just ras.football, so you can just oh. go ras.football. A lot easier to remember. Um, and you can check out any player card. There's there's 21,000 players currently in the database from, from 1987 <laughs> to 2021. Um, like 2,500 are wide receivers. Wide receivers, man, there's so many wide receivers every year. Um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I was writing for Pride of Detroit for several years. I stopped writing for them back in, uh, gosh, it's almost been a year now, right after the, the quarantine started. So I think it's almost been a year now that I haven't mm-hmm. been away from Pride of Detroit. Uh, still sort of affiliated with them. Not, well, not affiliated. That's the wrong term. I hang out with them. I talk to them. We still chat and Slack and everything. I keep on top of my lines. Um, and then I work at Pro Football Network. I'm, our, I'm uh, the application head of application development there. I maintain the mock draft simulator. I'm sure you guys have seen at Pro Football Network. Oh. Um, I, I didn't build it, but I do maintain it. And a lot of the stuff that you're going to see changes-wise is going to be me over the next year. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed all that. So you can find me any of those places. You already said I'm on Twitter, at MathBomb. I love it. I love Twitter. I love hanging out with people on there and talking football. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and, I, and clearly, I like to talk. So talk football, I'm, I'm there. You're there. Yeah, and I love the mock draft simulator at PFN. Uh, was it your idea to add the little team needs uh, button that had everybody's team needs in the in the middle there when you're drafting? It uh, it, it was there. Um, we've changed it a little bit okay. so that it's easier for us to update and stuff. A lot of the stuff I've done since I started maintaining it has just been streamlining it and making it so that's easier to update and things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gotten a little bit faster. Most people aren't going to notice the little changes that we did to it that just make it structurally more sound and a better machine. Uh, but there are going to be some 
funner changes to it over the next year that I won't I won't spoil. But we're going to awesome. be doing some stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's we used it for our our lost episode mock draft, and yeah, it was great. It's easy to use. I love that I can like uh, you know I'm like oh let me uh, talk about Derek Stingley Jr. A guy I've never heard about, and I was like oh okay so this is what they say about it. Let me just ape this real quick. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be adding uh, one of the things we are adding right now is we're adding the shorter like shorter smaller uh, scouting reports now as we mm-hmm. as we start to evaluate guys. We've got a team of guys that evaluate. Uh, currently, the only ones that are in there are mine, and they're super short. They're just, here's a guy, here's some of the things he did, so yeah. that you're not just like, I don't know who he is. You know? Um, but we're, we're going to have a lot of stuff like that where there's going to be a little more information throughout the year. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, you make two tools that I didn't use two years ago, and now I love them both. So, well, you didn't make the PFN one, but I'm going to give you credit for it going forward. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you you mentioned uh, RAS. You've been doing it since 2013. Was there were there any real growing pains? Like, did you put together some formulas that gave you some like whacked out results, and you had to go back to the drawing board, or was it kind of you hit the ground running with it? Yeah, the concept was always going to be zero to tens because, like I said, that's it's so simple to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I originally didn't have the overall score done the way that I do it now. That that didn't really happen until 2017. So a lot of times you'd have the average score wouldn't be five. It would be like six for running backs or 5.5 for defensive tackles and things like that. There was a lot more I had to explain things for the overall score because it was just using the raw average. Um, I found a better way to do that, and it's much better now. Um, The second problem I had was it changes. Anytime I add a player, it changes for everybody at that position because it's a relative score. That's what the R stands for. Um, I, I changed the calculations now so that it locks in at the player's draft year. So when we talk about RAS, it's 1987 to the player's draft year. Mm-hmm. And then if you look on the site, there's an all-time score, and that's 1987 to the current year. So there's there's actually two scores now, but I, I added the one for draft year because then it locks in, right? That's That locks in for those players, and we can reference those over time without having to be like, well, it used to be this, and now it's this. You know, we can we can just point to one score and not have to keep adding that nuance to it when it's not necessary. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I love it. I love the uh, idea of constantly like readjusting down to five being average so you don't get, you know, because as players get more athletic, there's going to be a a drift towards more people towards the top end. So I like I like the the recalculating there. Um, Mike Walker, I'm kind of bogarting this conversation. Do you guys have any questions? Walker, do you want to go first or you can go ahead? Okay, so so my, polite, so polite. <laughs> my my biggest question, um, well, it, it's sort of a two parter. Um, number one, where where did you start getting into interested in math? Has it always been something that's been part of your life? And two, I found out that you were um, a fellow Navy. My brother retired Navy, so um, I, I saw that and was, was got pretty excited that we were going to meet today. But um. So basically, um, tell me about your math. Um, when did that start and all that kind of stuff? Well, I've always been a nerd. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always been a dork. And it's math's always been a really big part of my life. It's it's fully integrated. Like, I joke about it a lot of times about, about math. But, like, little things in life you don't really realize you're using math for. I'm a little bit more aware about. I pay attention to uh, those little numbers and those nuances. And a lot of that started when I was in the Navy because I was a cryptologist. My, my entire job was based around trend analysis and breaking down codes and not like fun codes, like, oh, I'm going to develop this application that does things. 
like walls of text where you had to figure out, you had to decode and be able to say, okay, this is what these things are. Um, I, I joked about it because this, this draft, we actually, I actually had a wall of on TweetDeck, a bunch of searches and TweetDeck will automatically refresh. Uh, so it's just a wall of text, just constantly flowing text. And I'm trying to pay attention to who was picked so I can get the pick tippers. If there's a trade, I can catch the picks that were traded so I can update our simulator and all this stuff. And I'm just like, this is exactly like what I did in the Navy. I just stared at a wall of text flying by and I was looking for the right patterns to, to break out whatever the, the software, because the software, software would pick it up, but you had to wait until everything got decoded. After a while, you could just do that on your own and just be like, okay, well, that's this, that's this. Um, so that's where it started. And I've, I've had a blast with it since I got out. That's awesome. really cool. Yeah, I was we uh, we praised uh, the mock draft simulator updating so quickly with the uh, the Chiefs Ravens trade right before the draft. We're That's like, right. okay, well yeah. we'll have to kind of jerry rig this. And I go in there, I'm like, oh my god, these guys are on top of things. <laughs> Yeah, we've we, I've got it down to a, a really nice science, and that's that's part of the reason I was brought on board to do those sorts of things because it's not, you know, not everybody's not everybody's used to looking at, at that type of code and being able to update it quickly. I'm I'm all about speed when it comes to those things, speed and efficiency. So if I can get it updated quickly, um, I'm going to next year's draft is going to be wild. I'm I'm not going to spoil it, but it'll be wild. Ooh, uh, that's that fun. Yeah, the, people are already worried about next year. I'm already seeing top fives of the 2022 mm-hmm. draft. I'm like, just just let it sit for a bit. But you, I've looked at I've looked at 16 quarterbacks already. Jeez, Louise. Oh. All right, <laughs> Walker, do you have a question for Ken? Yeah, I, I, I got a couple. Uh, first off, what made you want to write about football? So I lived in Texas for a good deal of time. Um, I moved to Texas many years ago to try to find work because I got out of the Navy and the work, the job market in Michigan just wasn't that good. Uh, so I went to Texas where the job market was better, but still not good. Um, but while I was away, you don't really you don't really get as much exposure to your favorite teams as you'd like. You know, you're not in market, so you can't watch them on the TV. The streaming services weren't as good because, again, I'm old. Um, the streaming services weren't as good, so you couldn't get as much information as you wanted. So to kind of get around that, I started writing about the team. I would take whatever observations I had. It started on like ESPN message boards and things like that. Um, and I've, I've just enjoyed doing it. I, I like writing in general. I've always liked writing. So getting into something that I enjoy and I'm passionate about with football was was pretty natural. Nice. And uh, my other question is, how does it feel to be a dude from Perry having like 11,000 followers on Twitter? Uh, nineteen and a half thousand. This draft oh my period God. is bonkers. What? I almost almost doubled over this draft. That is that is ridiculous. Uh, wow. It's different. I don't know. I don't know how many people in Perry have that many. Um, my my niece my niece started getting onto Twitter, and uh, this was last year, so I had less then. But she started getting into it. And she's like, I've got like a hundred and fifteen followers. I'm like, good job. <laughs> <laughs> But it's different. You know, you, you get on you get on and you, you get in a, a weird place where you're talking about things that that matter to you and that you think people would be interested in. And you know, you have to weigh is is this going to be worth actually posting about? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I talk about football a lot. I also talk about bad movies, uh, good movies. I talk about music a lot, um, things, things that I like, things that I enjoy. Um, and I get to talk to people I probably never would have interacted with in, in any other day. So it's it's pretty wild. 
So you Can't mentioned you I'm mentioned going. bad movies. I have to hop in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta hop in. I have a, a bad movie pod, a bad action movie podcast for me and my oh, brother. Nice. I have to ask, how have you ever heard of Ron Martini? Yeah. Yes, you are the only person who has ever heard of Ron Martini. <laughs> I have no follow up questions. You have made my day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my mine was always Rep Brown. I, I love Rep Brown. Rep Brown is the best. Um, by best, I mean definitely not the best. Yeah. Um, but if if you ever go back and watch any old Rep Brown, so Rep Brown was the original Captain America. For those that aren't aware, um, Captain America actually steals a car in one of the original Captain America movies in the dumbest way. So if you wanna if you wanna have a good time, just go watch any old Rep Brown movie and be prepared to have your expectations shattered for how bad you thought a movie could be, oh, but man. how much fun the lead actor could have doing that movie. Oh man, I got I got to check that out now. Yeah, we're uh, yeah. I'm just I'm just so happy you knew who Ron Martini is because people are like yeah I love bad action movies. I'm like what about Ron Martini? You ever seen Death Machines, Omega Cop? People are like I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, clearly you don't like bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm just tickled pink. Um, so um, yeah, so I guess. We'll, we'll move on to the next question on the sheet, which is, so you've got relative athletic scores, you've got RAS, you've got incoming rookies. What is like for fantasy? Now I, I, I saw on your Twitter a little bit, you don't really do fantasy anymore. At least you express that you're not a big fan of it anymore, but how, how do you think we should use it for, for, for rookies? Is it a, a diamond in the rough thing or more like a tiebreaker between guys? Yeah, you kind of hit both. And I, I love fantasy, which is oh, why okay. I don't do it's why I don't do fantasy because ah. again, I'm a math guy and I spend way too much time on things. I dig way too much into it and I would just spend I spend a lot of time on football as it is and I've gotta I've gotta have time to do other things. I never would if I did fantasy. I I dig way too deep in it. That's a rabbit hole I just can't go down. Yeah. Um but you know when you're when you're looking at rec, something like Raz or any any uh, athletic testing metric when you're trying to look at rookies for a fantasy, um, you have to remember in fantasy I mean, you guys do you do fantasy, but opportunity is king in fantasy. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is king. And one of the best parts about stuff like RAS and, and athletic testing is it tends to dictate where that opportunity lies. Uh, guys with higher scores tend to get drafted higher. They tend to get opportunities earlier. They tend to be put in different situations because you're trying to make those, those different matchups work. And a lot of times that's putting speed on low speed, guys that are fast against guys that aren't, guys who are explosive against guys who aren't guys that are big against guys who aren't. It's finding those mismatches. And Raz does a pretty good job of, of showing you some of those mismatches. So it helps when you're trying to find some diamond in the rough guys because you're looking for opportunity. And maybe you find a tight end with a really good score who got drafted a little bit earlier than people expected, but still not super high. But tight ends is a hugely athletic-driven position. Maybe that guy's going to get more opportunities now because he's a dynamic athlete and you can use that at tight end. Probably not as a rookie. I guess tight end was a bad example because tight ends don't usually get a lot of opportunities as a rookie. Um, but you can also use it as a tiebreaker. Um, you start looking at uh, two different guys who are going to get going to get their start and you look at, OK, well, this guy is this guy is way more athletic. He's way more explosive. He's quicker. Um, and, and it's. It's guys you haven't seen on the field as much. Once you start seeing guys on field, you start seeing the offensive line they're working with, the quarterback that they're working with. A lot of that stuff starts to to mean a little bit more. Uh, But if you've got a clean slate for both, it makes a pretty good tiebreaker because guys like Aaron Jones just break out out of nowhere because they're way more athletic than all the other guys on the field. 
and they get that opportunity finally and it clicks, you know, so it's, it, it works out for some of those things. So I, yeah. so I have a follow up on that, just a specific example. So like what you're saying is like, so the Vikings had Alexander Madison as Dalvin Cook's main backup. He was a fourth round pick. They drafted Kenny Nwangwu in the fourth round this year, who by all accounts isn't a particularly good football player at this point, but is an immensely good athlete, much better than Madison is. So would Nwangwu be a better pickup as like, just in case Cook gets hurt? As a handicap? Yeah, or uh, handcuff. I, I think that Nwangwu is going to get some special teams play as well. So okay. I think he's going to be active on game days, which again, yeah. being active on game days means you might have more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good way of thinking of it, though. You know, you, you start having guys that, that you, have, you have to you have to choose between. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, if, if that opportunity looks like it could be equal, get the guy that's going to be the game breaker. True. All right. Um, so you, you kind of name dropped Aaron Jones, which was uh, a few years ago. I was tasked with writing a, a, a writing up a draft and I panicked in the sixth round and I just looked up spark and threw Aaron Jones in there. So I felt, I felt a kindred spirit there, but who would you say is like, you're looking at the Raz scores and you're like, wow, nobody's really talking about this guy. And then he turns out to be good. Sort of like the biggest, the biggest diamond in the rough or the biggest sleeper that you can remember seeing when you're going through Raz. So it's easy for me because I also really liked this player and had him ranked really high. So I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because he wasn't really a sleeper for me. Uh, but George Kittle, uh, George ah. Kittle, George Kittle was a phenomenal athlete. He had a 9.52 out of 10 Raz, um, ex- amazing speed, elite speed, elite agility, and elite explosion. The only thing that was was really hurting for his score was his size. Um, but I loved him on tape also, so I, I I just love that. But he has to be the easiest hit just because there's not a lot of fifth round guys that break out at a position like that in the NFL. It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, you know. I'm a 49ers fan. I, I don't know. So I, I know all about the George Kittle coming out in the fifth round, you know? Uh, yeah, he's a freak athlete, but let's see how he does. But yeah, I'm glad that, that uh, you liked him tape wise and uh, math wise, I guess is the best way to put it. So, um, so yeah. Um, Mike Walker, Mike, do you have any more questions uh, for Kent before we move on to the meat of the episode? I just have one more. Um, how did you come up with the name uh, relative athletic score? Was it just something that popped in your head right away? Or did you like sit down with a piece of paper and try to match words <laughs> and fit the system? Or how was it created? I'm, I'm a very analytically minded person. So it, it happened pretty organically. I was, I was trying to come up with a name for it. And I started thinking about, well, what, what is it? Um, and it, that's what came to mind is it is a relative athletic score. It's relative to the player's position in draft year. It's an athletic score. So it just kind of fell together that way. It was pretty organic. Gotcha. Beautiful. Walker, any last questions before we move on to the, uh, the meat of the episode? Uh, no, give me that meat. I'm num num. <laughs> I was I was going to make a joke about uh, a joke question about the whole thing that went down with Fantasy Mansion this week, but we'll just leave that aside for now about okay. citations and quotations and all that stuff. So let's go. Ahead, let's move on to pick your poison, which, Kent, this is the first time you're doing it. Um, I kind of just give you guys a question and you decide uh, what what you would rather have. I was originally going to say uh, which one of these guys at their current ADP would you rather have? But um Two of these guys are going in the fifth and sixth round, and the other guy's going in the 11th round. So I said, okay, that's not going to work. Um, but what I wanted to talk about today is Bengals wide receivers. Um, 
Boyd and Higgins both have ADPs in the fifth or sixth round. Chase is currently in the 11th round, so he was the obvious answer for uh, fantasy. But um, who do you think uh, leads the Bengals in you know each of the big categories? Uh, yards, targets, catches, and touchdowns. Um, let's just do, since I don't like trying to predict touchdowns, let's just do yards and catches. Let's, let's streamline this a little bit on the fly. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Between Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Auden Tate, who do you see leading the Bengals in yards and then in catches? Because it can be two different things. I left that wide open because of how I think they'll use one of the players in particular. Gotcha. Uh, I think that's a tough one. Um well, I don't think Jamar Chase is going to lead in any category this year, just being a rookie. So I'm going to go with T. Higgins as far as was touchdowns involved. I can't remember. I, I, I streamlined it down to yards and catches because touchdowns is okay. a, sh- a shot in the dark. So I'm going to go with yards. I'm going to go with Tyler Boyd. With receptions, I'm going to go T. Higgins. Wow. Okay. Uh, Walker, what do you think? Uh, yards, I'm going to go with... I think the guy that Burrow will trust to go deep with the most, which is Chase. Um, and catches, I'll go with Boyd since he's the slot guy. I think they'll have to throw a lot. And so in you know in games where they've got to come from behind, he will get a ton of those short area and mid-depth targets. So Boyd will probably push 100 catches. Okay. Uh, Mike, real quick, I wanted to loop back on yours real quick just to have a topic of conversation here. Um you said yards for Boyd, but catches for Higgins. So how do you see them using Higgins and Boyd differently? Because I thought it would be catches Boyd, yards Higgins. Well, I think Boyd is probably going to be one of the probably downfield guy where Higgins is going to be more to the intermediate range. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I I just, it, that doesn't seem like it fits their profile to me. That's all. That Boyd's, you know, going to be out of the slot more the go eight yards, you know, eight yard curl routes, whereas Higgins is the get up and get it guy. Okay. That's fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, so yeah, mine's catches Boyd Higgins yards, but I think chase does have a chance to supplant Boyd in catches. I do think that, um, Tyler Boyd is the third in the pecking order in terms of talent. The only question is, is how much can the talent of Jamar chase translate in his rookie year? So it might be a situation where if we did just, say, uh, weeks 9 through 18, which I had to stop because that sounds weird, um, that uh, it might be Chase leading the way and catches over Boyd in the second half. Uh, Kent, what do you think? How do you think this Bengals situation shakes out in year one? Well, I love that all of us are different. That's that's great. Um, yeah. I would have Chase as the, the leader in yards and Higgins as the leader in catches. Okay. Um, I, I tend to agree that Higgins is going to do a lot of that intermediate stuff. I think he's going to supplant a lot of those t- those targets from Boyd. Um, I know Boyd is the veteran coming into the season compared to the other guys. He's got a lot more experience, and he's, he's caught a lot of passes. Uh, but I think that with a younger quarterback like Joe Burrow, you want to you really play into that trust, just like Walker said. Um, Jamar Chase is the only dynamic athlete among those four, the only one. The other guys aren't dynamic athletes. Um, T Higgins is really good when it comes to it, the way that he uses his size, the way that he uses his frame. And of course he's got good hands, uh, which is why I think he's going to command those targets. Cause I think he's going to be that safety net type of guy. He's going to be the guy that the girl's going to throw to, like you mentioned with, um, like we mentioned with Boyd with being late game situations. I think that's going to be Higgins. I think Higgins is going to be his go-to in those scenarios. 
Whereas Jamar Chase is going to be his go-to in every other scenario. He's going to catch a lot of passes for a lot of yards. Um, it's going to be a weird one, I think, for the Bengals because they've got a lot of guys that can catch a significant amount of passes, but no real burner winner over the top that's going to take a lot of that stuff away. I think Chase is going to be that guy by the end of the year. Just like you said, towards the end of the year, he's going to really start commanding a lot of that, that lot of that attention. Um, so my my answer was yards, Chase catches Higgins. Yeah, and I think I think one of the reasons why we have so many different answers is one, it's in flux. Two, the Bengals threw out of three wide receivers the tied for the fourth most in the league last year. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of snaps for everybody. So it's just a question of really who do you think is better at what at this point in time? And um I'm I I, I'm sad nobody thought Auden Tate was going to do anything. No Auden Tate <laughs> truthers on this podcast. Uh, no, no Auden Tate with his whatever two point something RAS, one point something, real bad. One point eight. Yeah, Louise, real, Louise. Yeah, no thanks. No, um, you can't. I, you can't. You can't say the Bengals without an Auden Tate truther warming out of the woodwork. So yeah, I'll I give did. him this. He did have green grades for size. Oh, yeah, uh, big dude. Just red for uh, everything else. I. uh I do think Chase will lead those receivers in fantasy points. Ah. I, I would say he finishes as the highest of the Bengals receivers at end of season in terms of ranking. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he'll be the best or most consistent game to game. But I feel like in terms of overall point total, he'll come out on top. Yeah, I wrote up the Bengals this week, and I feel really good about getting uh, Jamar Chase as my third or fourth wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like really good. Do you guys think by any kind of uh, small amount that we're trying to chase um, Justin Jefferson a little bit here with Jamar Chase? Oh, yeah. I I mean, I think it's I I think it's valid on both sides, honestly. Uh, I'm apparently the Jamar Chase centrist. Um, (laughs) I I like uh, I, I think that. Jefferson being really good last year, it's not necessarily making me think that Chase will have a better season than I thought he would generally as a prospect. I think it just gives me the the hope that rookie receivers can break out in their first season. And the fact of the matter is that on tape, Chase was better than Jefferson. So, you know, do I expect him to have 1,400 yards? No, of course not. But I think he'll have over 1,000. I mean, uh, speaking personally, I'm not chasing the Justin Jefferson thing. It doesn't come into my mind at all, really. Um, It's more that, you know, I I, I broke it down. In this class, mathematically, three guys should do well and have top 36 seasons. It's 18% of guys every year. 15 guys or 18% of guys draft in the top 100. 15 guys got drafted in the top 100. So that's about three guys. I feel like he's going to be one of them. I, I'm not yeah. chasing Justin Jefferson at all. Yeah. I Even though, Kent, do you have the, the I don't want to steal your thunder. It's your, your website. If you want to talk about the, if you have the Raz for Justin Jefferson versus Jamar Chase up. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Chase had better, but Justin Jefferson had a hell of a score. People didn't yes. expect him to, um, which was part of why uh, he got drafted where he didn't. He was a bit of a surprise in the first round because people expected him to test a little poorly. 
And he didn't. He had a 9.69 out of 10. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase is a better athlete, a significantly better athlete. J- Score-wise, it might not seem that way because Chase is only a nine, only a 9.81. <laughs> only. Jefferson's, Jefferson's a 9.69. So it doesn't seem like there's a big difference between the two. Um, but Chase had a 41-inch vertical and 11-foot broad. Um, Jefferson had 37.5 and 10.6. Those are both really good numbers for both of those guys, but it's it's a huge difference when you're really looking at the raw numbers. It's just that they're so high up there anyway that there's not a lot of guys that measure that well. Um, so I, Chase is the better athlete and it's, it's not as close as the numbers would make it seem. Yeah. When you, when you get up to the top, like it's like a first round draft pick where you're like, well, I would take this guy at 1.06, but I definitely wouldn't take him at 1.04. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) what's the, (laughs) I have an impromptu, like, uh, I guess pick, pick your poison. Say it with authority Walker. Okay. Well, I don't know if that's really what it is. I don't know if yes. it fits into that category. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want everybody, since you said that it most likely, based on statistics, that three rookie receivers end up top 36. Mm-hmm. I want each of us to pick the three guys we think it's going to be. <sighs> okay. Let me pull up my wide receivers. Hold on. Uh, Good thing see. I'm not talking about wide receivers. Like this is gonna this is gonna make my segment real easy. Yeah. So top 100. I stopped looking at top 100 because that's yeah. where this the, the the 16% or that's, now it's up that's to what 19%. I did. Yeah. That's what I did for my projections. And I really wanted to include St. Brown because I think he's going to be okay. You know, even his rookie yeah. season, cause he'll get targets. But I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't draft him. Well, after pick one, after the hundredth pick came off the board, I was like, here are the guys that are left. Like here are the guys in the top 100. And here's the statistic. I think St. Brown's has the best chance to be a 1.6 percenter, which is yeah. after pick. 100 that's how often the hit rate is their rookie year um but i'm gonna go with the easy i'll go first i'll go with the easy answers here i'm gonna go tutu atwell Dwayne eskridge and josh palmer like the <laughs> smallest ones yeah 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 where are you going with this <laughs> no um uh does anybody have their three ready mike do you yeah. have or walker well i don't want to go first that's my question i'll go yeah. last okay um well just going off with i have my top five jamar chase Devontae Smith and um, Terrace Marshall, I think, would be the Ooh. three. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is kind of cannibalizing from later on in the episode. I'm glad. I don't have to talk about anything later. We've covered <laughs> the whole wide receiver section. It's okay. It's okay. This is perfect. Uh, Kent, who, who do you think has the best chance of finishing top 36? The guys you think that'll end up there? Well, it's Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, and Rashad Bateman from the Ravens would be my okay. time. Bateman, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Jeff, who do you think? Hold on. I'm stalling because I'm doing my I'm, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I have um, I have Smith one chase two. And then I have uh, I, I don't feel really good about the class after one and two in terms of first year impact. Uh, I kind of did a thing where I was like three, four, five are all the same. I will say. Waddle because Tua doesn't throw unless the guy's open and Waddle's the only guy on the Dolphins who can get open. So going kind of chalk there. Um, I dug up something that I really that really made me not like Rashad Bateman. And um, what? How could you not like Rashad Bateman? Because you don't the same reason you wouldn't like Rashad Bateman is rookie year. The pass attempts, baby. I I think. okay, but I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver. I don't think it matters. I, 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 do too, I, I do too, but I do. Oh, go ahead, Ken. 
I was saying, I'm not a big Rashad Bateman fan. I, I wasn't a big fan of him throughout the draft process. I didn't even have him in my first round, but I still have him as number three because I think he landed in the perfect situation. And like you said, I think he's going to be that number one guy fairly early in the season for them. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I yeah. will go oh, Go ahead. I, I will go with, I've got Chase at one. I've got Jalen Waddell at two. And I will, just for the fun of it, I'll go with Amari Rogers. Ooh, Amari Rogers. Because so, I think he will be the number two receiver for Green Bay sooner rather than later. I think Lazard transitions more into an almost tight end-ish role where he's doing a lot of blocking and some occasional receiving. And Amari is a much better receiver than Marquez Valdez-Scantling is. Yeah, so you're going to go with uh, Jordan Love's wide receiver, too, is what I'm hearing. Okay, so if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, <laughs> then I'm not Rogers doing that. If Rodgers is gone, I immediately swap it to Devontae. Devontae. Okay, so Waddle, too. I, I was feeling a little weird because nobody said Waddle, but you have Waddle higher than me, so. Yeah, I like, I like the spot because of the prior connection with Tua, and I... I think that he will fill the number two receiver role for most of the season. Um, Parker's going to get a lot of a, a lot of number ones, and I think that Waddle will feast on that one-on-one coverage, and uh, he'll get even more target share whenever Will Fuller gets hurt. Yeah, I was going to say the, you've also got Will Fuller technically there. Um, so I, I want to talk strictly speaking yards. I think um, another outsider could be Kadarius Tony. Um, I don't, I don't like him, man. I, I think there's too many miles to feed. Yeah, I love, I love Tony as a player. Kind of the opposite of Bateman. I, I love Tony as a player. He was one of my favorite receivers. I think he got drafted. He got drafted almost exactly where I had him rated. But I, like you said, there's a lot of miles to feed in that Giants offense. Yeah, I, I hadn't. I, sometimes I'm just sitting around and I go, oh, this is, this is how I feel about this. Today I went. I like Kadarius Tony. We had a whole conversation about it. Walker, Mike, and myself about his route running, about how I actually like how he runs his routes like a psychopath because it reminds me of Stevie Johnson. But today I was like, oh, he's just going to be the 2021 version of Visca Chanel, where he does a bunch, a little bit of everything, but he doesn't get enough volume for it to matter, for it to translate to fantasy. But he's fun and exciting when he has the ball. He so, is that. Yeah. So that's how I feel about Tony. Um, Mike, sorry. Even That's even cool. though he he could easily be like Debo, where he just does a bunch of you know pot passes and yak. But I feel like it's more like uh, Chenault because this is going to be, uh, I think, a rougher year in New York than people are anticipating, and I don't know if the volume is going to be there. And, and that's why, I, strictly speaking, yards. He's not going to be someone that's going to catch a lot of passes. He's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. But he is someone that once you get that ball in his hands, he's extremely dynamic. So. This announcer. I, I think another outsider could be Elijah Moore. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's a better football player than Denzel Mims. So I, I think by at least by the end of the season, he'll be the number two target there behind Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, with his route running ability and his uh, his speed and shiftiness after the catch, there's a there's definitely a universe where he comes on late and he finishes the season with something like seventy for nine hundred and four or five touchdowns or something. That'd be a great season, yeah. I, would, I mean, it'd I be would, incredible, yeah. But, yeah. But I, it, it's possible. It's not likely. 
It's not likely, but it's possible. Okay, so um, that was a good impromptu um, pick your poison. Sorry if my dog picked up on the microphone. The reason we don't normally record so late is because the mailman comes about 4.45. <laughs> so she she was freaking out. So, um, all right. So we were at um, going through the revised rookie top five. So why don't we do this? We're already talking about wide receivers. We're already doing it. Let's jump ahead in the dock and then come back. So we've already given our top three. So, Mike, who rounds out Chase Smith and Marshall for you? Uh, Chase Smith, Marshall. So I have Rashad Bateman, number three, and Jalen Waddle, number five. You mean Bateman, four? No, Bateman. Oh, you know why? Because I said Terrace Marshall, number three. You're correct. Yeah. um, I I started to just jump the gun a little bit. But, yeah. (laughs) Um, So either way, I... Who knows? But yeah, uh, the way I wrote it down, Jamar Chase, number one, Devontae Smith, number two, Rashad Bateman, number three, Terrace Marshall, number four, and Jalen Waddle, number five. Okay. And uh, who was who is your uh, biggest wide receiver riser and faller just based off of their their um, their draft location where they ended up? So just based on draft location, uh, biggest riser, Rondell Moore, biggest faller, Tutu Atwell. <laughs> yeah, Tutu. Um yeah, that's a that's a certain. Don't know what the heck the Rams were doing with Tutu there, but you know, as a Ford, as an NFC West fan, I'll take it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, because he's another talking about another explosive guy. That's him, and he's yeah. I just don't see it with all those, and they have you know Deshaun Jackson and how many games he's going to play, and Van Jefferson. You know, um, maybe he'll be better in his second season, but those both those guys are deep threats, and that's all Tutu Atwell really is, and. So yeah, it's he's just buried. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's so skinny. I, I think yeah, it's if he gets tackled, he might never play again. So. Yeah, and I, I'm not a BMI Twitter guy, but when you're under 150 pounds, it's yeah, yeah. Sooner or later, weight comes in to make makes a factor. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean, my my favorite thing to say is I think it's a uh, um, Rondell Moore plus Tutu Atwell weigh as much as the guard the Niners took in the second round, so they're. <laughs> Two out of the other three picks of the NFC West in the round way as much as the guard. So good good luck with Tutu. Uh, Kent, who is your four and five and then your riser and faller? Yeah, my four was Terrace Marshall. Um, I really like the landing spot for Terrace Marshall. Love him as an athlete. He's a fantastic athlete. Um, if that injury stuff really does check out, then he's going to get some touches. He's going to get some work. I really like his landing spot. I, let, I labored over that number five, and I went with one that might surprise people who know my background as a Lions fan and how I feel about the team and their quarterback right now, because I don't think they have a quarterback that's worth anything, and they're just kind of a mess in general. Uh, but Amon Ross St. St. Brown landed in the perfect spot for his skill set. Uh, the Lions picked up a couple guys in the free agency who are burners. They've got guys that can go deep. Um, but that underneath is pretty bare. They've got Quintez Cephas and that's it. And I'm not a fan of Quintez Cephas's game. So I think Amon Ross St. Brown has a really big chance to pick up a ton of targets uh, before the end of the season. And I was actually talking this over with a friend of mine. And I think that Amon Ross St. Brown could lead the Lions in targets over the last eight weeks of the season, the second half of the season. Um, just a perfect fit for his type of skill set and the type of player that he is. Because he's not fast, but he's pretty explosive, and he's a tough wide receiver who can catch a lot of those underneath stuff. He can catch the intermediate stuff, and that's pretty much all you're going to get from Jared Goff, and the deep stuff's going to go elsewhere anyway. 
Um, so that would be my five. All right. And your, uh, your riser and your faller and then Walker will get another Lions fan rebuttal on, uh, Amon Ra. <laughs> I could cheat and just say that that is my riser because I, I mean I, I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are going to have him there. Um, but my my follower would have to be Tony for the reasons that I said earlier. I I love Kadarius Tony and he's a first round draft pick. So a lot of people are going to I think overvalue that. But there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense as we said earlier. Uh, there's a lot of targets that are going to be going around and I think that they might start at least start his career doing a lot of that gadget stuff and that'll be his role, which doesn't get a lot of fantasy play. So no. that would be my biggest faller because of the landing spot. Yeah, that that gadget stuff doesn't get you a lot of fantasy play, but in terms of like amount of publicity you get per like productive game you have, it's off the yeah. charts. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to have a couple of those games where where he's going to be like two out of the three top 5 plays for the week are just going to be Terrence Tony. Yeah, it's like he gets four carries a game plus you know, if he gets five targets a game, it's well, those five targets aren't coming. You know, that's that's the hard part. Um, so before, Walker, before you get to oh, Walker, good question, yes. real quick. Um, so is there is there a difference or a big difference between Equinemia St. Brown and Amon Ra St. Brown? Oh, yeah, they're different types of players. Um, and that's that's kind of why they were they were uh drafted a little bit differently and, and you are going to be used in different roles. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's a lot more of the underneath stuff and being able to catch those short routes, a tougher receiver, a more physical type of receiver. Um, whereas uh, Equinemius St. Brown relied on his athleticism a lot more. He relied on his speed and his explosiveness. They're both explosive guys, but uh, Equinemius relied on it a lot more in college coming out, uh, whereas Amon Ross is much more, much more physical type of player. So would would um would Amon Ra have a lower RAS than Equinemius or I'm pretty sure he did. I'll double check Equinemius's, but I'm I'm pretty sure he had a lower score because I think Equinemius was Equinemius in is elite. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I have it up right. Yeah, I have it up right now. Equinemius uh, 9.85 and Amon Ra was set, is 7.14. Yeah, and and the speed was a big part of that. Amon Ra Sebra is not a burner. Equ- Equinemius was a guy I loved coming out. I Essentially, what Chase Claypool did is what I thought he was going to do. I, my comp for him was Demarius Thomas, and he just hasn't really developed. And whether that's situation or whether that's just he's not that good, is it's probably more the latter. But it's definitely missed on that guy. Yeah, I don't. I think if you haven't risen to the top of the Packers wide receiver room, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I personally still think he's better than Valdez Scantling. But that's damning I, with faint praise. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I, I, <laughs> a, I'm a, I'm probably wrong, and B, that's not an impressive thing to be as an NFL football player. No, it's it's not. So Walker, it's your turn. So um, yeah, do you have I'm, uh, I'm Amon not, Ra in your top five? No, I don't have Amon Ra in my top five. Um, Kent's statements have persuaded me to take him out of my uh, faller category, which was mostly just because I had him as a second round grade and he went in the fourth, which that type of draft capital just doesn't usually get huge uh, chances first year. Obviously he went to an extremely weak receiver room and he fits with the quarterback. So I won't put him there, but um, in reality, Rodgers is actually my number five. I put him as three there because I wanted to do it for the exercise, and I definitely think it's possible that he could have a top 36 season, so I wanted to mention that. But in reality, Smith is my number three, and 
Who did I have number four? I forget. I know I put it in the chat. Um, I can look that up for you. Um, so it was probably I'll Bateman. Probably. Oh yeah, it was Bateman. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because I think Bateman will be the number one there. I I don't think it'll be a super productive role, but I think he'll be a. I, I think he'll he'll be a wide receiver four for fantasy in, in that range. Yeah. I, I mean, I I had him as my wide receiver four, too. And I said earlier, I don't particularly like him sure. this year to, to, to work. It's just, you know, like like we mentioned, it's it's normally three guys their rookie year have top 36 seasons on average. So it's like four and five doesn't mean a whole lot. So minor sure. Bateman and then Terrace Marshall, um, you know, I, I just think that that since they literally never use the t- almost literally never use the tight end in Carolina, I think the third wide receiver is going to have a lot of opportunity there. If Sam Darnold really was a product of the Jets being terrible, then that could become a better passing game than we than we've experienced. And it was still a good passing game for wide receiver production last year. Sure. You know, you had Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore all producing at various points in the season. I don't sure. think. Um, Samuel was very consistent, but uh, neither was but Robbie. Yeah. Robbie was Robbie was dope the first like seven weeks, and then he kind of disappeared. Yeah, and that's which sort is of, just more Robbie Anderson than anything. And and that's sort of when uh, Curtis Samuel kind of started to take off too. So. Yeah. Um, so uh, my biggest faller is the best wide receiver in the draft. Seth oh, I, did, I didn't Seth. say my risers and fallers. Hold on, let me finish my bit. Seth Williams, who I know oh, Walker right. loves. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's your risers and fallers? Sorry. Okay, my riser is gonna. Do I have to do a receiver? Or? This is four receivers only. Oh shit. Okay. We're we're going through the the four positions, and we're really okay. uh we're really sucking this wide receiver well dry. Right, right. Um, riser, I will say. <sighs> that's a tough one. Um, I, I'll go with I'll go with Rogers. I'll, I'll say Amari Rogers. I, I think that. I had an early day three grade on him, but I think he's a solid football player. He's somewhat limited in terms of size, and he's not an amazing athlete, but I think he went to a good situation. Um, I I think they will use him a lot like they used Randall Cobb. I And, and, and I believe he will be the second most reliable target for Rodgers, if it's Rodgers. So... Um, as long as it's Aaron at quarterback, then I think Kamari Rogers will have a at least sporadically productive season, which going into the draft isn't really something I expected. Um, and then in terms of Faller, I yeah, I'm not gonna say Amon Ra anymore. I think I'll go with um. I'll go with Tylen Wallace. Okay. Because I like Tylen. I, I, I had a round three grade on him. I think he's a solid football player. I don't think he's great, but I think he's good. But he went to a, just a terrible situation. They drafted Bateman earlier in the draft. They already have Marquise Brown as the number two guy. They have Mark Andrews as the number one tight end, and he's going to be the number one or two target overall. And they barely ever throw the ball. Like... Wallace will beat out Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin's bad at football. So that's not going to be hard for Wallace to become their number three guy or number four, depending on what happens with Duvernay. Um, I like Duvernay personally, but 
that's neither here nor there. But there's just not going to be enough opportunities. He, it's, he's not going to be productive for fantasy at any point, probably in the next two seasons. And going into the draft, that's not what I would have expected. So yeah. I feel a little bit bad for my boy, Tylen. Yeah, I think the wide receiver three in Baltimore, I looked it up over the last couple of years, has like 43 targets per season. It's like just wasteland. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Worthless. So, all right, let's let's uh, stop belaboring these wide receivers and let's go through the order and uh, start back at the top. So um, asked you guys to get your top five wide receivers or I'm sorry, top five quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs and tight ends. Since we jumped ahead to the wide receiver discussion, we kind of jumped that one in. So let's uh, let's talk about after the draft. Mike, go through your top five wider or quarterbacks. I don't know why I keep doing that. Um, top five quarterbacks after the draft, who your biggest riser or faller is uh, overall among the, the rookie quarterbacks. And let's just say, does anybody have Trevor Lawrence anything other than one? Me. Okay, so we will talk about Trevor Lawrence. And I was going to say, let's just not even bother <laughs> if everybody has a one. So, Mike, let's talk about your five, your one through five, your biggest riser and biggest faller. And, um, you know, we'll we'll uh, get a good discussion going about quarterbacks. So I have to preface, this is definitely uh, redraft only. Um, in Dynasty, I have it completely different. Uh, so number one, Justin Fields. Number two, Trevor Lawrence. Three, Zach Wilson. Four, Trey Lance. Five, Mac Jones. My biggest riser is Davis Mills. And my biggest faller is a tie between Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask. All right. So I got a question for you. Uh, who starts at center week one, under center week one for the Patriots? Uh, Cam Newton. Who starts under center week one for the 49ers? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Who starts more games, Lance or Mac? Good question. Um, I'm going to say Mac Jones will probably, it's going to be close. It's going to be really close, but uh, I'll just, since I have to give you an answer, I'll go with Mac Jones. You'll go with Mac Jones. Okay. Yeah. So I was just curious about this Lance versus Mac ranking because um, I'm not as I'm not so sure how many games if everything goes according to plan how many games the uh, uh, the Niners are gonna let uh, Trey Lance uh, start this year because they yeah I, I think if Garoppolo is healthy all season then uh, Trey Lance <laughs> right yeah but uh, you got you got my actually thought on why Trey Lance is gonna have games um, with yep. that laughter I yeah it's gonna be really difficult for Garoppolo to stay healthy for 16 games okay do you have a follow up question for you. So was it difficult to balance where you were going to put Trey Lance because you didn't want him, you didn't want me to think that you thought he was that good, but you also didn't want me to think that Jimmy Garoppolo was that bad. <laughs> it was all about you, Jeff. When, as soon as I was yeah. writing down those categories, I'm like, well, what Jeff is going to like? I don't know. I better put yeah. something favorable so I can stay on this show. Well, it'll be the first <laughs> time you said something favorable about the 49ers. So. <laughs> it might be, yeah. Yeah, that's so, all you get for the rest of the for the rest of this time. That's all you get is Trey Lance. Uh, all right, fine. And when I said Trevor Lawrence first, I realized I didn't have Trevor Lawrence first. So um, right. I guess does anybody have Trevor Lawrence Owned. first? Uh, Kent, do you have him first in your uh, redraft rookie, like your first year? How you think he's going to do? Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is the the best quarterback, and I think he's in a good enough situation that he's going to play just fine as a rookie. Um, I love I love Justin Fields. Um, he's in a good spot in terms of how many wins he's going to get because the Bears defense is going to do a lot of the work for him. 
Um, and he's not going to be asked to do a lot. Whereas Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be doing a lot for his team. Uh, same thing with Zach Wilson. He's just going to, he's just going to have a lot on his shoulders from the get go. Uh, Trey Lance and Mac field or Mac Jones are not really going to have a whole lot on their shoulders to begin. So I, I'm not sure they're going to see a whole lot of action. I also agreed that, that neither of those guys should start week one. Um, I think that Jones is going to get more starts only because I think it's more likely that the guy ahead of him gets hurt than Lance is going to have in San Francisco. Um, so he's just going to get those opportunities earlier more than anything. Okay. And then, um, so it sounds like you've got, yeah, Lawrence, then um, Fields. And then where does Zach Wilson slot into all of this? He's kind of weird because he's such a high variance player to begin mm-hmm. with. Uh, and he's in a he's not in a great spot in in terms of what he has to work with there. Um, I like what they're trying to build on their offensive line. I like what they're trying to do. I just don't think they have enough pieces in place for it to really be there in his rookie season. Um, but he's going to start from week one, so he's going to get all those opportunities early. So I, I would put him in the middle there. Yeah, the, that's that seems to be kind of the uh, there's a dividing line between the top two guys and the the bottom two guys and right there in the middle is seems to be Zach Wilson. Um, who is your biggest draft riser and, and faller with their landing spots? Trey Lance is, is gotta be the riser for me just because there was all that talk about him falling and all that. But the moment that Shanahan traded up before all the stupid Mac Jones stuff happened, um, we, we all started talking about how big of a fit Trey Lance was for that offense. And he is a perfect fit there. Um, long-term, he's got so much upside and he's in such a perfect scheme fit for the type of skill set that he has. I think that's just, it, there's just too many things that kind of fall into place there. So that would have to be the biggest riser for me. Biggest faller is kind of hard because everybody kind of landed where I think they yeah. should have. Yeah, it's, that's not a really, tough one. There's not really a whole lot from an opportunity standpoint. Um, I guess it would kind of be Wilson just because he's the second overall pick, but we're kind of putting him at three. Yeah, he's he's the second overall pick. And it's funny because we're everybody was pretty consensus that he wasn't the second best player. A lot of it. Well, that's not true. It wasn't consensus, but a lot of people were weren't. Sure, he was the second best player, but they were sure the Jets were going to take him. So he got kind of locked in. But then once everything shakes out, we're like, oh, yeah, he's clearly the number three. So it's kind of a, a weird, uh, um, I guess, rope-a-dope for, uh, for Zach Wilson's ranking. So, um, Walker, who are, your, uh, who, who are your post-draft quarterback top fives, your riser and your faller? Uh, number one, Justin Fields. Um, mostly, right. I, I like... Lawrence's landing spot and I think he's a slightly better player but um I I just think Fields will run quite a bit more and I think that'll give him a slightly higher floor uh I have Lawrence too um that should be close Wilson is a step below those guys um I, I would I would consider drafting Fields or Lawrence as like your second quarterback um I wouldn't draft Wilson in redraft this year and uh then Lance at four, Jones at five. Um, my biggest riser I put is Fields. It's a tie between him and uh, and Wilson, but I went with Fields because he jumped to one. And mm-hmm. then biggest faller I said was Lance. Actually, that's just for redraft because I had him as my uh, 
probably for fantasy, I would have, he would have come in as like maybe second best, but um, yeah, he, I mean, he ended up in a spot where he's probably not going to start um, much his first season. So if he does play, he's definitely a waiver wire guy because he's going to run a lot. But, um, you know, obviously while he's not playing, he's not getting any points. No. And um, I also had Lance as my follower for the exact same reasons that you laid out, Walker. I had him as my follower because he's if everything goes according to plan for the 49ers, he does not play this year. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the plan is for him to not play this year. And, you know. Uh, I forget the exact Mike twice Tyson quote, but it's basically, you know, everybody has plans to get punched in the mouth. So we'll see how that works out. But for now, um, yeah, he's I had him uh, uh, fourth. I have I don't have Mac Jones fifth. I have Davis Mills fifth because I think that Davis Mills and Mac Jones are basically going to do a lot of the same things. And I don't think that. Deshaun Watson is going to play this year. I think there's too much smoke and if it does and I don't think it clears up before the season starts. So I think Davis Mills is going to be the starting quarterback. Um he's better than Tyrod. Um you know they took him in the third round. I don't know if he's better than Tyrod. I do not think he's better than he's Tyrod. He's not better than Tyrod. As Dang. soon as I said as soon as I said that I was like wait a second he's not better than Tyrod. Uh but they took him in the third round. That's what drives me crazy. Well, he's not better than Tyrod now. He will be in a year. Uh, Davis Mills, I, I have a lot of hope for Davis Mills. I think once he just sort of gets his mechanics down a little bit um, and gets some coaching, he's he's going to be a very good pocket passer. And he can run, too. He does have some mobility to him. He's not just uh, Matt Ryan back there. He's, he's a little bit more. So um, maybe not better than Tyrod Taylor now, but definitely in a year or so. Yeah. So there you go. So maybe it's a developmental thing because I just this Watson thing, it's just it's it's driving me crazy. And um, I don't particularly care for Mac Jones too much. I don't particularly care for the Patriots offense too much. There is a massive line between four and five for me. Just absolutely the thickest line possible between Trey and Mac Jones, because I think even I just I'm just don't like this Patriots offense. I think it's going to be one of those things where they're going to try to run like 60 plays per game. And just grind it out. You know, uh, Mac Jones is going to go, you know, he's going to throw 40 passes for like 210 yards because he's just dumping it off the whole time. Um, Okay, so. um, So let's go ahead and uh, run through the running backs. Let's go a little bit faster through the running backs. Um, Kent has been very kind with our time, but it looks like he's running short on time. So let's do the running backs really quick. Top five riser faller. Uh, Kent, we'll start with you, and um, then you can uh, give your your pluggables and then head out. How's that sound? Great, yeah. Uh, my top five is not too different from the way that they were drafted. Uh, Harris, Etienne, Williams is the top three, um, and then I just flip the next two. Michael Carter will be my four, and then Trey Sermon will be my five. Um, biggest riser for me has to be Trey Sermon. I don't think anybody was really calling. I mean, I know a couple of people because I follow the draft so closely, but I don't think very many people were calling for Trey Sermon getting drafted as early as he was. And he landed in a pretty good spot. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities fairly early on. Uh, Big-time athlete, big-time playmaker. He's in, he's in a really good spot to make an impact very early in his career. Um, I just love the other three guys. I, I actually got ripped apart for it when I posted it. But I, I love the top three guys of this draft class better than any of the top guys from last season. Um, they're all extremely good players and they landed in pretty much the perfect spots. You could probably make an argument that Williams 
maybe not as much as the other two, but um, they landed in good spots to make an impact early. Um, I really like Michael Carter. Uh, he's so quick and so fluid in the open field. Um, I think I'm amazed that he lasted as long as he did, but uh, he landed with the Jets. They've already got a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback means running backs probably get a lot of opportunities. Yep. Um, and he's just that type of the type of guy that I think will take that load off for a player like Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson's going to learn to really like handing it off to him in a lot of different situations. Uh, I think they're going to gel really early. So I think that's that's probably just it's just a really good pairing right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. good yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, so you said you liked the top three of this draft more than any guy last year. Oh, yeah. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, yep. I will. I will. I will say right now having saying Javante Williams is better than Jonathan Taylor is uh, that that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I got I got ripped apart for it. So Jonathan Taylor, I mean, obviously he had a great rookie season. I don't think anybody would argue that at all. But I, I don't. I don't look at it as how they we already know happened in the pros. We got I look at it as prospects. And as much as we love Taylor now because he's doing very good as a pro, um, he wasn't quite as highly thought of. Uh, I had a first out. round grade on him. I, I know people who did. I'm, I'm not saying that everybody. Well, there no, yeah, and it's just I'm I'm saying it from my perspective. Oh, yeah. In term in terms of national opinion, it was pretty close. I, I I will say that you know. So you're not off in terms of what people thought of these guys pre-draft. It's just in my analysis of them, I would not even put them in the same tier of player, but yeah, I mean, our, our first running back drafted last year was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I mean, it's, if we're really looking at it from the opportunities that the guys got and the landing spots that they landed in Swift landed in a running back by committee where we were feeding a veteran just so he could do that hall of fame chasing stuff. You know, they didn't land in really good situations. All three of those top guys landed in good situations to me. I think they're all going to be in, in prime spot to do well as rookies. Yeah. And to your Javante Williams point and your point earlier about give somebody an opportunity, the athleticism will shine through. 8.79 Raz on Javante Williams. I wrote up right before we came in, I was writing up the rookies for the Denver Broncos. They handed Philip Lindsay over 10 touches per game last year that he just kind of took and just threw on the ground. Like he did nothing with them. So if, if they give those 10 touches per game to start the year to Javante Williams, he could definitely carve out, you know, 15 to 16, maybe 17 touches per game, taking away from Melvin Gordon. And that is athleticism winning out because they're going to start by giving him double digit touches per game. And then he'll earn more. I I agree with you. I think he'll earn more. It was very weird how Philip Lindsay was incredibly productive with not a huge opportunity, and then he just like played two seasons. And I know he's an older player when he came in, but like played two seasons in the league and then just hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Like he was, I was shocked how bad he was last year when I was. He wasn't good at, at all. Today. Yeah, it didn't he make was, any sense. Yeah, to it, me, it was I one mean, of those things that just he yeah he just hit a wall. He just fell off a cliff. Yeah, I don't know, because he was really efficient as a runner his first two years, and then last year that efficiency just cratered. Yeah, so maybe he, you know, maybe there was that nagging injury, or, you know, players are people too. Maybe he wasn't happy about the Melvin Gordon thing. It didn't go. Maybe he just but, got hit too much. I mean, I don't I don't like getting hit. I mean, that's true. just like, yeah. you know what, I, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, this sucks, actually. Yeah, I don't like this. So, um, all right. Kent, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you got to dip out. So uh, why don't you give one last round of plugs? uh, Where can people find you, follow you? And um, yeah, thank you for coming. 
Appreciate that, man. Yeah, like I said earlier, you guys can find me on Twitter at MathBomb. Always available to talk football um, and talk metrics and all that fun stuff. You can check out the website at ras.football. Um, again, you can look up any of the 21,000 players that we have on there, and there's more coming. We're going to be adding um, all of the players that I can get from 2022 and 2023 uh, in the next few weeks, hopefully. Um, to try to get some links. We're going to be linking scouting reports and medical information, arrests if we have any news like that. Stuff <laughs> that you're, going to be, you're going to be looking up this stuff around draft time anyway. My intention is to make sure that we have a one-stop shop so when people get the metrics, they can have the metrics, scouting reports, all that stuff in one spot. Um, so you can check all that stuff out there. Or if you're already looking ahead to the 2022 draft, you can go on the, the Pro Football Network mock draft at profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft. And start doing your 2022 mock drafts and then yelling at me on Twitter for having guys ranked incorrectly. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thank you, Kent, for joining us. Um, I'll get links to everything in the, the podcast description so everybody can check it out. And, um, yeah, uh, I'll say it for Walker. Go Lions, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. One pride, baby. Uh, have a good thank one. You, Kent. I appreciate Thanks, it, guys. guys. All right, so uh, that was Kent Platty, uh, Math Bomb on Twitter, ras.football, which is a lot easier than typing relative athletic scores. Um, great guest. I was very happy to have him on. Um, learned a lot about uh, the PFN stuff in the background. Did not realize he had, what do you say, 22,000 people yeah, in his like, database? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So. Absolutely absurd. Yeah, so thank you for coming on. Um, if you're listening back to your own appearance, thank you for coming on, Kent. Um, if not, just know that we said uh, people say that we said nice things about you. Absolutely. Yeah, so he's, he's a great dude. Uh, yeah. I, I've been lucky enough to be like mutual Twitter followers and like online friends with him for a few years, just from both being Lions fans. And yeah, he's always he's super gracious with his time and. It works harder than just about anybody else in in the football like journalism industry. I mean, I know he's he's a lot behind the scenes, but dude works his butt off. He deserves everything he's got. Yeah, he sounds like a real. He sounds like a grinder. He gets the mm -hmm. grinder seal of approval. Absolutely. He's very personable too. You know, yeah. you never really know about about I guess math nerds. You know, some yeah. can be really yeah. rigid, but um, he he's very personable and very uh, cool to get along with. So yeah, thank you. Uh, for coming on camp yeah that was one thing i was worried about it'd be like you know that i was worried that he would be like well the raz says this you know and there's no nuance to it and i'd be like well that that's a conversation ender you know <laughs> like in baseball they're like well he's got a three war and this guy's a one war what do you want to do you know i was afraid the raz is gonna be a conversation ender but it was a starter which is perfect because that's what i think raz should be as a, as a conversation starter and it's a great tool great guy well don't know him personally seems to be a great guy but um yeah let's let's uh let's keep this rolling though guys so walker let's talk your your top five running backs and uh the riser and the faller for you right okay so number one i gotta go with Najee. um he's gonna have huge opportunity i definitely think he's a top 12 back for uh for this season to redraft um number two i'll go with etn He's a low-end RB2 or high-end flex with upside. Um, he, he could take over a bigger role and, and shoot up into that fringe RB1 conversation by the end of the season. Number three is Javante. He's a good player. 
Um, I, I definitely think he'll end the season with more points than Gordon, but I think it'll be an even enough split that I probably won't draft him much in redraft because my guess is his price will be a little rich for me. But I think he'll have a solid season, and he'll definitely have weeks that show you why he was picked where he was. Um, number four, Michael Carter. Um, didn't expect a guy who got drafted in the fourth round to walk into probably a starting job, but he's going to... I, I don't know if there'll be a true starter there. I, I think that three or four guys will get touches, but Carter will get the most, and he's a good enough pass catcher to uh, to take most of those most of the targets out of the backfield. So he should be flex-worthy in good matchups. And then number five is Sermon. I... I like the landing spot fairly well. It's a crowded backfield, but he has the highest draft capital of anyone in that backfield, I believe. Um, yeah, for sure. I, yeah, he. Yeah, that backfield is mostly UDFAs. He mostly so. UDFAs, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mostert will be the starter going into the season, but he's a guy who plays four games really well and then gets hurt. I mean, it's just who he is. He's also 30 years old, so you can't expect him to play a full season at this point. Um, I think Sermon will be the next in line. I, I don't think he'll come in and take a huge workload. Jeff Wilson will get worked in. Michael Hasty will get worked in here and there. Elijah Mitchell might get a few touches, although I think they probably drafted him more to be a return guy. Um, but I think Sermon, will, he'll have his weeks, and if injuries lead to him being the lead guy, he could have a Cam Akers-type breakout at the end of the season. Um, my riser is Carter. As I said, I had him as running back six in my rankings with a third-round grade, and he went later than the third round and still jumped up to number four. So got to go with him for the riser. And my faller, it's got to be my boy Kylan Hill. Had him with my running back seven, and he fell almost undrafted and then went to Green Bay where he'll be the third guy at best. Um, It's not good. He's not going to be relevant at all frustrating because he's a good third down back and I hoped he would go somewhere where he could be used but that's not going to happen early in his career yeah um Kylan Hill was is my follower as well I made a whole a whole meme about it at the end of the draft because draft Twitter was straight up not having a good time with Kylan yes. Hill falling everybody was losing their minds it was bull him. man he guys <laughs> Kenny Duong went in the fourth round and Kylan Hill didn't go to the seventh Kylan Hill's actually good at football yeah, I mean, Kylan Hill, I had, you know, I had my issues with him, but I still think he's pretty good at football. I mean, he, I had him in my top 10. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my backs, um, my top five for this one, Najee, for the same reason as you, Walker, perfect situation with yeah. Pittsburgh. And it was telegraphed. Like, you shouldn't have been surprised that if, Najee, if Harris, Najee was there at 24, he was going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was either. Like, 24 was his, like, firewall. Like, that, yep. that was the last he was going to go. Uh, ETN, um, I think he's going to have a rookie year a lot like Alvin Kamara's rookie year, where he's got to kind of work his way out from behind two other backs. Um, and then he could end up in a share with James Robinson, but it's still a productive enough share to matter. Um, and then um, Javante Williams. I did have Carter when I first wrote this down, but then I dug up the stuff about Javante Williams that we were talking about with Kent. So I flip-flopped them. And then Carter, just because... The Jets' backfield is there for the taking. Yeah, I, and I'm hearing a lot of, "Well, are we sure he's better than Lamichael P. Ryan?" Yes, Which, yes, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Was I'm like, not yes. sure Lamichael P. Ryan's better than Ty Johnson. 
And so, I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure of that, and I'm not sure Ty Johnson's better than Tevin Coleman. So it's they're I they're am, at this point. <laughs> they're all bad. Prime, prime Tevin Coleman was better than anybody else in that backfield, but yeah, uh, no, he's the worst guy in that backfield now. Yeah, the the last time for, they used up the very last drops of Prime Tevin Coleman, the Niners did in the Panthers game. I want to say week seven of yes, 20. four yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, I four touchdowns. started him that game. Well, here's 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 the funny part. So I don't know if he still listens, but my uh, my my co-host on the Action Movie podcast, um, uh, my wife couldn't go to the 49ers game, so he got my ticket, and uh, we were driving down there, and he had Tevin Coleman on his team, and he was like, mm-hmm. he's trying to decide between Tevin Coleman and somebody else. I can't remember. I was like, dude, just start Tevin Coleman. He's like, I don't know. And I was like, the Panthers are terrible against the run. I was like, he's gonna get a lot of carries. I was like, just start Tevin Coleman. He's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then I was like. When we were walking it, walking into the game, I was like, "Did you start Tevin Coleman?" And he's like, "No." I was like, "Fix it." And then he fixed it, and then he was like, "The happy." He's like, "This is the happiest day of my life." <laughs> yeah, he had like 107 and four touchdowns on like yeah. 30 carries. Yeah, it was. He was last... horribly inefficient, but he scored yeah. four times. It was the last good game for Tevin Coleman and the Panthers. 2019 Panthers gave Darius Geis the only good game of his career as well. Oh, their run defense was abysmal. That yeah. Season. It was it was so horrible. It was the worst I'd seen since the Niners like six years ago where Bowman got hurt. And then literally every back averaged 150 yards per game after that point. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, my fifth was Trey Sermon by default. Uh, Homer pick. I don't I'm not particularly excited about any guys here at five by landing spot. But, you know, I concede. Uh, 49ers have a deep running back room. That's also very fragile. Not only is. We've talked about Raheem Mostert, but Jeff Wilson Jr. is also not the sturdiest back. And so I think Trey Sermon will get his opportunity. My rising, my riser is Carter um, because by the year's end, I wouldn't be surprised if he did have more fantasy points than Javante Williams or, you know, even ETN if he grabs the role right away and just kicks the other guys out. Um, I'm not saying that's what I think will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's second in fantasy points when all said and done. Um, then my faller is either Kylan Hill, like Walker said, or uh, Kenny Gainwell, because um, people had high hopes for Gainwell, and he's he fell all the way down to Boston Scott replacement slash yeah. backup to backup to carry on Johnson. Yeah, it's him and carry on are going to fight for the 40 percent of touches out of the backfield that Miles Sanders doesn't take. Yeah, exactly. So um, he's he's a big faller because people had high hopes for him as like a, a Tariq Cohen type. Maybe, um, you know, I said Justin Jackson was more it, but uh, I don't think he's going to do anything uh, worth worth talking about. So, uh, Mike, who are your um, running top five running backs and then your riser and faller? Number one this is the obvious one. Najee Harris, of course. And then uh, Travis Etienne is number two. Trey Sermon at number three. Ooh, I, okay, okay. Wait, my, let's pause. Let's pause there. Explain. <laughs> I, I I think just like Walker said, I there's a bunch of four niner backs, and yeah, I don't think I think we're, if if Mostert could stay the whole season, he would be the clear number one. Uh, but I don't, I just don't see it. This is not going to happen. And Trey Sermon is is a lot better than Jermichael Hasty or um, who was the other guy, Wilson. So. Yeah. I really think that Trey Sermon is going to come up like week three, week four, and be the guy. And therefore, why not at three then? You know, mm-hmm. um, if of course if it becomes a splintered backfield and RBBBBC, then um, I, I'm going to be wrong. 
but I just don't see it. Uh, so that's my reasoning. Um, number number four is Michael Carter, and number five, Javante Williams. Carter and Williams, I think you could flip flop. Uh, you know, it's not really all that of a distinction. It's just something I I think Carter, like Sermon, is going to be the the back there, where Javante Williams is never going to control that backfield unless. Um, uh, Gordon is injured, so uh, that's why I have Carter there at four and Javante Williams at five. The biggest riser, Michael Carter. Biggest faller, Ramondre Stevenson. Mm, yeah. Oh, Ramondre, yeah, going into New England. New England, yeah. The yeah. maelstrom of that backfield. Well, the last time, you know, the last time they trusted a, a running back to get most of the touches, it was Legarrette Blunt, who Ramondre Stevenson is resembles in stature. Exactly. Very true. <laughs> uh, I do have a couple just just because I have a couple guys that I think we should mention. I, these guys are not likely to be fantasy productive this season, but there are eventualities where they could be. Mm-hmm. Chuba Hubbard will be the main backup to Christian McCaffrey. Yep. I was sitting here going, somebody's got to talk about Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. At some, he, yeah. If if McCaffrey goes down again, Hubbard will be productive. Yep. Um, yeah. And. Chris Evans goes to Cincinnati. Yep. Great chance he could be the Gio Bernard replacement. Yep. I he think can he can catch passes, and he's an outstanding athlete. He's kind of a clueless football player at this point, but I think he's better than Travion Williams, Samaje P. Ryan. You know, I, he should beat those guys out, I, I would imagine. And if Mixon gets hurt, which he tends to do, all of a sudden, Evans could be getting six, like the 60 of a 60-40 split out of that backfield in an offense that is pretty up-tempo and runs a lot of plays. Yeah, Mike, what were you saying? Uh, yeah, Chris Evans was actually, uh, I believe, a wide receiver in high school until they moved him to running back when he went to Michigan. And then all hell broke loose when he was at Michigan. Um you had players starting over him. You had him getting suspended. Uh, he had one good year, 2019, I want to say, um, yeah. where he looked like he was on top of the game. And then he got suspended, of course. And um, you had Charbonnet last year. And then um, I can't remember the other running back that also came in. So yeah. it, it, it is just a, it's just a mess for him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so the back first, I want to talk about the Chuba Hubbard thing really quick that Walker touched on. Um, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, uh, they have no problem turning the backfield over to one guy. We saw that with Mike Davis last year. Uh, right. Mike Davis had so much more opportunity than he really should have had as he continued on. Like he started off really hot and then he kind of faded and they kept giving him the ball. Um, as for Chris Evans, um, I do like the Gio Bernard comp as, as, as a role. It's yeah. just. People, people kept getting way over their skis about Gio Bernard. Um, <laughs> Gio Bernard's like, fine. Yeah. yeah. Whenever Gio Bernard would take over that backfield, people would act like he was going to be like a high-end RB2 for three weeks. Exactly. And when in reality he was a low-end RB2, high-end flex. If Evans had to start at some point this season, I would rank him somewhere between 25 and 35, like every week. Yeah. So if you if you stash him on your roster and and let's say I'll I won't put the bad juju out there. We'll say if Joe Mixon gets hurt, 
not yeah, win he's, if <laughs> he's a Evans I in a standard size redraft league no but yeah. in like a 16 teamer or um one with a, a large bench he's a worthy stash yeah but you gotta temper your expectations for the upside yeah, that, that, that yeah, was yeah, what yeah. I was he's, saying. He's, yeah. a, he's a guy that you stash so that you can stick him in one of your two flex slots in a big league yeah. in or, week nine. Or he's a guy you stash till G- Joe Mixon gets hurt that you flip in the Joe Mixon owner for something that's actually There you used. go. Oh, yeah. the, the Bengals also brought in Puka Williams. I knew there was a name out there that I was forgetting. Oh, yeah. Puka, Puka turned um, – the day after they brought him in, uh, it dropped that Puka, like, punched a woman. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Well, oh, Puka. Jeez. I'm gonna put that in his notes so I don't forget. This I, is... I would imagine that that uh, kind of hurts his chances of making the team. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll uh, they'll enjoy that. You know, he's as a. Well, if he used his foot, he would have missed. But you know, he he had to probably use his hand. So what? Well, you know, Puka's missing like half a foot, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, was, it was a bad joke. Oh, it was. <laughs> Got him. Got him. All right, tight end. It's Kyle Pitts, and then every and then Pat Fairmuth, and then everybody else. Yeah. Um. I don't think we need to really do a top five. That's on why one. I said that. That's why yeah. I said. It's it's Pitts and Fairmuth. Um. Just to quick mention, Hunter Long went to Miami. He's not going to get any chances there for a while. Um. My guess is they probably brought him. Yeah. A, yeah, they brought him in so that they don't have to sign Gasicki to a big contract in two years when he comes up. Um, Tremble went to Carolina. They don't He's ever throw. The, yeah, they don't ever throw to the tight end. So, and he can't catch anyway. Yeah. Revan Jordan, no. Um, McKitty went higher than I thought he would and yeah. went to the Chargers. So, yeah, um, I everybody's going to get Kahale Waring syndrome with him. It's going to be, oh, look, tight end room that's pretty bare. Guy who got drafted in the third round. It's going to be Kahale Waring, Drew Sample, Josh Oliver thing, where it's not a very, he's fine. He's a decent developmental player, but he's not going to do anything until year three. Um, I'm going to steal Kahale Waring syndrome from you because that's the perfect, it's like, well, he's, okay and there should be targets so put right two and, two and together. then he gets beat out by and then he gets beat out by darren fells exactly yeah yeah uh the one guy i am a little interested in and in a specific scenario is john bates i liked him as a player and he went earlier than i thought he would um went to washington if logan thomas goes down he is the number one guy so a guy to pay attention to on your waiver wire do not draft him, but got to pay attention to on your waiver wire. They tend to funnel short targets to the tight ends. He's a reliable possession receiver. In that event, he's not going to be your worst option on the waiver wire. And he's a good dynasty stash. Yeah, but, don't draft anybody but Kyle Pitts and maybe uh, Firemouth as a dark. Yeah, may, maybe. Yeah, it, it really depends. If they move Ebron before the season, then Fryermuth becomes a little bit more attractive. If they yeah. don't, I don't want anything to do with either of them. That's true. What do you mean, either one of them? Like, either Pitts? No, either Fryermuth or Ebron. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I want I, Pitts is in my is in the blob, but he's in the high end of the blob. Like I, and with the upside, I would take him over just about any t- any other tight end in the blob because he could put up huge numbers, whereas most of those guys aren't gonna do that. Yeah, right. he's he's definitely on the higher end of the blob for me, where it's like he could break it. Like the only way you end up at the top end of the blob is if I think you have a chance of not being in the blob in 2022, and that that's pretty much all it is. Yeah, the top the top four guys in the blob for me are Goddard, Henry, Pitts, Gesicki. Yeah, which are those those are the guys I think could have big time seasons. And then you and then like my next five are Irv, Janu, Ferkser, Fant, and Komet. Like a Ugh. bunch of guys who have a bunch of guys who will either are talented and won't get a lot of targets or aren't that talented and will get enough targets to be relevant sometimes. <laughs> Sounds like tight ends. <laughs> yep. That's well, it. Yep. The only guy that I would throw in, and again, like Walker, there's there's nobody here outside of Pitts. Um, but I'm intrigued by in the next couple of years is Kyle Granson, Ky- Kylan Granson. Um, oh, Colts. Colts picked him, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, fourth rounder. Decent draft capital on him. Yeah. So he's he's going to probably fit where. Um, oh wait a second. Yeah. What's his name? Um, Doyle. No, not Doyle or Cox. It's um, Burton. Burton, thank you. So um, he's going to get a bunch of jet sweeps? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Tight end jet sweep, yeah. baby. Yep. Um, seam runner kind of thing. Um, very, very, uh, you know, schem- schematic oriented. Um, awesome. So, yeah. If you've got a, uh, if you've got a, a deep spot, um, uh, like a deep dynasty league, just to mention him. Because we're not doing a top five, we can mention a few of these more fringe guys. Zach Davidson is a stupid athlete. Um, huge, really athletic. Went to Central Missouri. Um, the Vikings drafted him. And Irv Smith is small and not very athletic. And Tyler Conklin's just not that good. So I could see Davidson working his way into a role by year three. But that's a dynasty only type of thing. Okay. As are most, as are most young tight ends. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel like I have to name him um, Tommy Tremble. Don't worry about him for fantasy. Right. Yeah. 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 Third, he's, he's a third round pick, exactly where we figured. Athletic, but he needs like three years to develop any sort of receiving skill and I, a new offensive scheme. Yeah. yeah, new offensive scheme, and he's a block. I, I think he's the one. Uh, yeah, he's the one that had actually more drops and receptions. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he's he's. I mean, if you want an idea of Tommy Tremble, it's Kyle Ustrick. Like that's what's going to happen with him. He's going to get like Not one even. target, one to two targets a game, and I'm oh, saying for fantasy fantasy production, oh, Curry, yeah, yeah, Kyle yeah. Ustrick, where it's like he'll get one to two targets per game, and every three or four games that target will be for 25 yards. Yeah, that's, Nick that's Boyle. That yeah, Nick Boyle. yeah, just just depth guys, guys that don't matter much. But um, Tommy Tremble. One of my favorite tight ends in the draft, just no fantasy relevance. He just, I just loved watching him block. So unless yeah, you're in a point, a point per block league. Uh, can, I, can I ask you guys a question? Just one last question. Sure. Sure. One guy who didn't get drafted, who you think will have fantasy relevance at some point during their careers. Sage, baby. Sage Surratt. Okay. Sage Surratt. I, like I think, that. I think that, um, He's going to have a chance in two or three years to 
uh, be kind of a, a firewall in case Amon Ra doesn't work out for short short area things. I hope I hope he sticks with us. I really do. Yeah. No, but I, I really like Sage. Yeah, like I like I sent you the 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 million exclamation point thing wasn't facetious on Twitter when I saw he ended up with the Lions. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a slightly different direction. I I'm gonna go with Tamori and Terry. Okay. That's he, a good went, one. he went to Seattle. I think he's a better player than Dwayne Eskridge, who they took in the second round. He is a better player than Ooh. Dwayne Eskridge. And I think that not the first season because they'll want to funnel targets to their high draft capital guy. But I think Terry makes their team because their receiver room is really light. And I think by middle to end of year two, he's wormed his way into some sort of role. He's too athletic, too big, too strong for them to not want to use him in at least like that David Moore type role. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, if it's because Demore and Terry's so big that he could be the tight end-esque guy that I've, they've been trying to jam into that offense for years, where he's mm. just a, a, a big pass catcher. So he can fit, yeah, he can almost fill the, the role that they were using Jacob Hollister in. Yeah. Just a more athletic version. Yeah, or the, the uh, the when they had Jimmy Graham, where it was like, just go stand in the end zone and we'll throw it up there and you'll go get yeah, it. Yeah, just run, run straight forward and turn around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which the Dolphins also do with Gasicki, but they always do it. It was weird. They always did it seemingly to try to get pass interference. It was a bizarre thing that they always did when they were at like um, yeah. it was second or third down and goal to like get a new set of downs. They would like do this weird play that Gasicki never had a chance at, but would always be P.I. Well, he did make two incredible catches at the end of the season last year, too. He, he had a couple in double coverage where Tua was just like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and Gasicki pulled him in somehow. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what Kasiki did. So, um, all right, guys. Um, I did it, um, did like, anybody find it interesting that Trey Ragas ended up with the Raiders? <laughs> <laughs> he did. I didn't yep. even see that. I didn't even realize that Evan got his boy. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. Oh boy, that's oh. so good. Oh, that is the perfect way to end the episode. I'm so glad you got that, Mike. Got that rolled. Yeah, I did not catch that. Amazing. So, <laughs> all right, we will be back next week. Thank you again to Kent uh, for joining us. You can find his stuff at, at MathBomb on Twitter, uh, RAS.Football, and uh, the Pro Football Network Draft Simulator, which if you found us, you know about the PFN Draft Simulator. So, uh, for Walker, for Mike, this is Jeff. Take care, and you have a good one. Bye.